0: Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope in our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Our scripture reading comes from Acts chapter eight. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. I'm going to read Acts chapter eight. Verses 26 to verse 40. Hear God's word. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. This is from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading and to the proclamation of his word this, this story from Acts chapter 8 is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. I really, I really like it. it. It shows the early church after, after the Holy Spirit gets poured out at Pentecost, uh, reaching out to people from different races, different places, with the good news of Jesus. It's like the gospel is, is radiating from an epicenter in Jerusalem to new countries, new peoples the church is sharing its faith in the marvelous thing that God has done for the world in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8, we have the first black African becoming a follower of Jesus. He's a powerful bureaucrat, uh, a diplomat, we could call him, from the land that in Bible times was called Ethiopia, with present-day South Sudan. And he serves the court of the mighty Nubian queen. The Bible translation we use calls her Candace. It's actually a title, the Kandake, the queen mother. And he hears for the very first time that God's son Jesus Christ died and was resurrected not just for Israel, but for all peoples, including him, an African like him, including us, including me, and then he's baptized as a follower of Jesus. Just a great story to remind us that the church has a mission in the power of the Spirit to share the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the slide is up on the screen, it will be in a minute, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. See, when we gather to worship as a church, God is making his appeal to the world through us. And when we as a church go out into the world, to our schools, to our jobs, to our universities, to our work, into our homes, and we work, we serve the good and the true and the beautiful, God is making his appeal to the world through us. And of course, when we share our faith, when we talk about Jesus with friends or family members or strangers, a word of truth, justice, grace, God makes his appeal to the world through us. God's kingdom is revealed as we share our faith with others. That's why it's just essential for a church to share its faith with the world. Now, I know I just lost about half of you with that last sentence. It's essential that we share our faith, that we talk about our faith with others. Don't tune me out or at home, don't turn off the screen just because I said something about sharing our faith, okay? I know, Reformed folks, we're not very comfortable with sharing our faith, are we? They don't look so indignant. We're, we're not. So, some of you are thinking right now, come on, I'm just, I'm not that kind of person. It's awkward, isn't it? It makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. Some of you are thinking critically, looking at me. Oh, it's easy for you to say, pastor. You know, you went to, to seminary. You studied the Bible. You, you probably have all the answers. What if someone asks me a question about Jesus? I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm afraid to share my faith. And then some of you are just cynical Thinking, what, me, talk to others about Jesus? That's what we pay our pastor to do. See, I know what you're thinking. I thought all those things myself, too, to be honest. It, I don't find it easy to talk to others about Jesus, to share my faith. Um, big reason being I'm, I'm like an off the chart introvert. Um, so it's hard for me to talk. It's hard for me to talk to people in general. That's why i like to hide behind this pulpit when i'm up here and cling to it for dear life i'm more and more convinced though that we as, as a as a denomination as a christian reformed churches and as individuals we need we need to learn how to talk to others about jesus how to share our faith now more than ever at the tail end of this pandemic we need to reach out to those who are hurting to those who've left us to those who never knew they needed us in the first place. So what I want to do is share a couple things that I've learned about how to talk to others about Jesus, how to share faith. And I'm going to do, do it in reference to this, to this story from Acts 8, because uh, the Holy Spirit has really challenged me through this story to learn how to share my faith. And now about, probably about 65% of my job is, is talking to others about Jesus, on campus. Um, I've, I've learned a few things, but it's been hard, and I want to share those things with you, okay? The, the very first thing to say is that when we talk to others about Jesus, when we share our faith, it takes us out of our comfort zone. It does. I, I think it's good just to admit that. If you feel intimidated by the idea, if you feel like it's awkward or unsettling. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a bad Christian. It's completely normal. And we know that's from our story. Did you notice where the story took place? No? Oh. Don't make me read it all over again. No. It took place in the desert always significant in the Bible. So, Philip is working in the cities in Samaria. He's, he's an urban street preacher, okay? And then he gets called by God out into the desert, the wilderness road, our Bibles say. And he's called out in the middle of the day. See, we read, go to, go to the south, the angel says to him, and um, maybe the translation you're using at home or the one you have in front of you will say, go at noon, because they mean the same thing at, from the time when the sun was used to measure direction and, and time. So Philip is told to go to the desert at noon. What do we know about the desert at noon? It's hot. It's hotter than Kelowna. <laughs> hot not smoky, but hot and dry. People avoid traveling in the desert at noon in the Middle East. It's the least comfortable place to be. And the point this story is making right from the get-go is that Philip is called out of his comfort zone to talk to a stranger about Jesus. The Spirit of God moves his church out of our comfort zone to share faith. We get moved out of our comfort zone. I think it's just okay to admit that. If the idea of talking to others about Jesus makes you uncomfortable, it's okay. Even the apostle Philip got called out of his comfort zone. Nothing wrong with you, you're normal, okay? That's the first thing I want to say. I just think it's good to get it out there and clear the air, especially as an introvert. This, this might be a little tough, might be a little hard at first, but we're going to get through it because, well, this is my second point. You know, these uncomfortable conversations we might have about Jesus, these awkward moments, they don't just happen. God calls us to them. God is before the conversation, God is in the conversation you might have, and he's there after it happens, responsible for whatever happens. this This should give us confidence, I think. Yes, sharing our faith with a family member or a stranger or a friend pushes us out of our comfort zone, but God is there, and he's the one who's calling us. And this is clear from our story, because when we pay attention to the main character of our story, we realize pretty quickly it's not Philip, although he talks a lot. It's not the Ethiopian, though he's driving the chariot. The main character in the story is God. God is in the whole conversation from beginning to end. Bring up this slide. Let's take a look at it. There it is. I'm looking at this screen and I'm only seeing myself. Okay, that's fine. As long as you can see it, that's good. So the story begins with God. Verse 26 Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go. And then, long before Philip even shows up on the scene, God is at work in the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch. How else would, why else would a man? from another continent, have traveled thousands of kilometers to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. He's seeking truth. God is at work in the Spirit already in his heart. And then this conversation between the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip happens through God's Spirit. Verse 29, the Spirit says to Philip, go over and join the chariot. And then, of course, the story ends ends with God. The Ethiopian is baptized and the Spirit of the Lord carries Philip away. The point of this is to just underscore that this conversation was not a circumstantial encounter. It wasn't an accident. God orchestrated it because it's God who builds his church and God who brings his kingdom and he does this as we share our faith with others. But this is all a sovereign work of God, and this should give us confidence. I mean, imagine, imagine you run into your friend at Costco. She's not a believer. She doesn't go to church. And she tells you that she's, she's really struggling. And you want to share with her how your own faith in Jesus you know, helped you through a difficult time. Or maybe you just want to say at the end of the conversation, I'm going to pray for you. you know, how often have I ended a conversation wanting to say those words to someone, but I, I just stop. I balk. I think, oh, it's, you know, this is a public space. Maybe someone will hear me. Or what if, what, if she doesn't, what if she takes offense at me saying, I'm going to pray for you? We need to remind ourselves when we have these kind of encounters that God is in it, that we don't just bump into people who are in need, people who are hurting. God is moving us together so that we meet each other. His providence connects us. And so, whatever comes out of your mouth at Costco is going to be used by Him for good. We need to remind ourselves of this. I remind myself of this often because I don't think I'd be able to handle work on a, on a secular university campus if I wasn't constantly reminding myself that, like Philip, the spirit of the ascended Christ is before, behind, above, and through every conversation I'm having with students or professors. And it's the same with you and your family members and your friends. God prepares us for these kind of encounters. Even if we don't feel it, even if we don't know it, we need to believe it. So what else can we learn from this story in Acts chapter 8? We've learned that sharing our faith with others might be uncomfortable, but we've also learned that it's God who's moving in these conversations, who's orchestrating this. I think we could learn lots of things from this passage, but this story, but there's really just one more thing I want to say. And I guess for practical, in a practical sense, it's maybe the most important for how we actually go about sharing faith, how we actually go about talking about Jesus with friends and family. And it's this, it's, it's the power of questions. The power of questions. Questions are the key to good conversations about faith, genuine conversations in which we, can, which we can share about how Jesus has touched our lives. Often Christians hesitate to talk to others about Jesus, to share their faith, because they worry that they don't have all the answers. Am I right? Think about the times when you, you haven't talked about your faith, and often it comes down to this feeling like, well, I, I don't know enough. What if someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer? Well, it's a real concern, but it's not as important as we think it is. The fact is that good questions are usually far more important than having the, the right answer. And we know this from our story. Look at what happens. You can bring up the next slide. First of all, Philip listens to the Ethiopian. Did you notice that? The first thing Philip does is not preach a sermon. It's not evangelize. He does not talk. He listens. The Ethiopian is reading out loud. Philip listens. And then Philip preaches. No, he doesn't preach. He then asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Could you ask a question like that? I think it's not a hard question, is it? I could ask a question like that. And then the Ethiopian asks Philip, question. How can I? Look at all these questions. This is remarkable. And then Philip jumps into the Ethiopian's chariot. No he doesn't. Then Philip is invited into the Ethiopian's chariot, invited like you might invite a friend to meet you for a coffee. Or a pint of beer. Like you might invite someone to give you your cell phone number. Their cell phone number for a call. In other words, a relationship is forming. A real, genuine relationship. And questions are throughout. More questions. After reading the passage from Isaiah, the Ethiopian asks Philip to explain it. And then he asks Philip to baptize him. These questions are so important because they show us that that Philip isn't going in thinking he has all the answers. He's not ramming his sermon or his his spiel down the Ethiopian's throat. He's not got an agenda. He's not pushing a tract at him or knocking on his door uninvited, like some people do, No no names mentioned. Philip is listening. He's listening. And then he responds by asking questions. And these questions back and forth, they're the marks of a good conversation about faith. Questions are one of the main ways that the Spirit changes people. And what I mean is that questions might be how Jesus speaks into a person's life, a word of comfort, a challenge, a word of truth, Jesus does this so often in his own ministry. Who do you say I am? Why are you so afraid? These are questions that invite a response. Questions that begin a conversation about the things that really matter. And we know that the ascended Christ does the same thing With his church now he poses questions to the world to a broken and sinful and hurting world through us he's making his appeal through us and we might be borrowing his questions questions that transform or convert who do you think jesus is we might ask or the question might be even more simple how are, how are you really doing during this COVID time? And then listening to the answer. In my work with, with students, I, I, love, I love to pose questions to them. I often borrow these questions. You can look at the screen. I borrow these questions from a famous, actually an infamous novel by Jack Kerouac called On the Road. And uh, there's there's a great scene. This is a kind of, this is sort of the, the the first road trip novel written. These two young men are drifting along the American highways, and they run into a farmer. And the farmer asks them this great question: "You going somewhere, or are you just going?" These are great questions to pose to students who don't believe in God, students who think they've got it all figured out going somewhere or are you just going sometimes when I'm when I'm brave enough I I think the spirit asks that question of me too reminding me to put things important things first questions are powerful things and they're powerful tools in the hands of a spirit-filled church And the last thing I want to say along those lines is that, you know, when Philip asks questions, it shows that he's really interested in the Ethiopian as a unique person. And I've heard, I've heard that some, some Christians were taught to share their faith um, to talk to others about Jesus with a kind of agenda, like a lead question they've got in hand, kind of knock, knock, um, hi. If you were to die tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And you sort of start the conversation that way. And I don't, I don't think that's very effective. I don't know. If maybe you've tried it and you've found otherwise. You can tell me, ask me after the service. But um, I, I think our questions want to connect with people's unique stories, with where they are in life. and It's far better to let the conversation unfold, to let a, a genuine relationship develop and then pose our questions into that emerging relationship That's what Philip shows for us. What are you reading? Do you understand it? Can I help you? Can I join you? Now obviously we believe that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to questions that arise from unique people in very particular seasons of life, moments of life, people with very different sins and fears and burdens and, hurts. and we, we want to listen to those stories and then ask questions that show empathy, and care, a passion for truth. And then we can share from our own experience how, how God has touched us, what we've learned from the Bible, how Jesus has impacted us. I think that's what Philip shows us in this story and where I've been inspired in my own work to kind of imitate. You know, it's, it's intimidating to think that we, we can only talk about Jesus or share our faith if we have all the right answers, isn't it? But what if we think about sharing our faith as listening and then asking questions as a friendship, as a relationship emerges? I think, I think we can all do that. So those are a few of the things I've learned in, in my work where, where God has really challenged me through scripture, through this story to think about how I talk to people about Jesus. I thought just by a way of, uh, of, of by, by an anecdote in closing, I'd share one, one example, one concrete example to give you a sense of what I mean um, from, my, from our, our campus ministry work. If you can bring up this la- the last slide I have. <clears throat> so in this past year, everything, programming for students was online, and one of the things I tried for the very first time was conversations between Christians and Muslims, and um, it it was a great experience. And the goal was to share faith, so Christians would share their faith with Muslims, and Muslims would share their faith with us, and these are a couple of the adverts that went out. You can see the topics we were looking at. One was on time, and the other was on faith practices during COVID, and uh, questions are prominent through these conversations. You know, why do Christians believe this? Why do Muslims do that? Why do Christians drink alcohol? Why do Muslims not eat pork? These kind of things, questions. And as these questions emerge, (coughs) excuse me, as these questions emerge, uh, relationships begin developing. Now, there were two, two young Christian students who were taking part in these conversations. Um, they're very shy. So sometimes they were so shy that on our, on our Zoom screen, they wouldn't even put their cameras on. So they were there. You know what I mean, right? They, they had their cameras on, but uh, their camera was off, um, but they were there listening because they're very shy, and they would um, not answer any questions. So, I'm saying all this like they did not go through a good Christian Reformed catechism. Um, their knowledge was minimal. But they asked they ask questions. And one of them was telling me that um, after one of our sessions, um, one of the Muslim students contacted her via social media because she had asked a question that hadn't been answered during our session, and he wanted to give an answer. Um, so she had a few more questions for him. And on and on it went. And I thought, this is wonderful. So I'm not even part of this. This is going on by itself. And, and a friendship is forming. And then, and then a really big question comes from the Muslim student. He says, Can I come to church with you? I really want to hear more about his Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? The students are shy. They were the first to say that talking about Jesus, sharing faith, makes them incredibly uncomfortable. But they were convinced that this was an important conversation, that God had called them into it. God is at work here. So for the the, the, the past, I think the past month, this Muslim student has been going over to um, an apartment on Sunday mornings, where a number of Christian students gather for online church. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I know that God is behind this all. And my, my hope and my prayer is that the student, like the Ethiopian eunuch, will go on his way rejoicing because he's encountered the living Christ. So I share that story with you to encourage you, you know, to have, have heart, be courageous about getting out of our comfort zone as Christian reform folk and talking about Jesus and sharing faith. We don't have all the answers. We don't have to have all the answers. We love others enough to listen to them and then ask questions that touch their lives. And in doing this, we may point them to the answer, Jesus Christ. So I hope in this almost post-pandemic world we're in that our Reformed churches will become better at sharing faith. In all this, God is making his appeal to a hurting, sinful world. and His Son is glorified and his kingdom revealed. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.